Beth and I got to go to the city uh, this weekend for just a brief getaway, and it was nice. Uh, we had a good time, and uh, we we stayed at a hotel in Independence, and we went shopping. Or uh, I'll say Beth went shopping. Here's what we do. Uh, she goes shopping, and I go to the bookstore to read. And uh, I, that, I'm happy in the bookstore watching people and reading, and she's happy shopping. Uh, it works best for us that way. We've been married 30 years. That's how we do it. Uh, then we get hungry, and we get together and eat, and then we go back to our respective places. Uh, but that's a, that's a fun time. So yesterday morning, uh, we went, got up and went to breakfast, and we got up late for us because Josh, he doesn't know what day it is. He gets up early every day and wakes us up every day. And uh, so it was, it was awesome. We got to go to breakfast late, and, we, and so we sat down to breakfast. It's one of those hotels that had breakfast in the hotel, and, and we uh, sat down, and, and we prayed like we do before meals. And, and this gentleman came over and, and just said, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's so good to see you all uh, praying before your meal and loving the Lord. And, and we didn't know him. He was just, it, it was good. It, it was, now, Beth could interact with him a lot more. She's a morning person. I was like, what? You know? I'm a night person, so, but, but it was, God just tells you sometime, you're, you're preaching the right stuff, because he didn't, uh, this man didn't know I'd been working on this sermon about hallelujah, praise the Lord, what that means, that's what we're talking about today. When people say hallelujah, praise the Lord, Christians use those words all the time, what does it mean? What does praise the Lord mean? What does hallelujah mean? mean that's what we're going to talk about today is we're getting ready for Christmas and making sure we don't lose sight of the Christ in Christmas that's that's what we need to do we talked last week about worshiping uh, Christ and worshiping God and this week we're going to talk about praise uh, praising God praising him and, and that's what that gentleman was seeing us do in our prayer and we heard him say in hallelujah praise the Lord but I, I think sometimes we can use words without really thinking about what they mean. So we're not going to do that anymore, at least about hallelujah. We're going to figure out what it means today, and this will stick with you. And hopefully it will be uh, on your mind. It will be lived out in you this week, that you will see that you have opportunities upon opportunities to praise the Lord, not just with your mouth. You can praise the Lord with your lifestyle. You can praise the Lord with your witness, and that's what we want to see today. Uh, I, by the way, I want you to get in the habit, of hope, of bringing your Bibles. You can get out of that habit because we put all the Scripture on the screen, uh, but it's good for you to have your Bible with you. For example, I'm not going to read all of Psalm 150 today in one, one uh, long setting. Uh, we're going to have different verses of it, but you might see it. If you read it, you see it begins, praise the Lord, and then... Uh, that's the first of 13 times in six verses it tells us to praise the Lord. Some of us uh, maybe are like me. I, you know, sometimes I go, uh, that, that, that song, I mean, how many times can it say the same thing? Right? Sometimes contemporary Christian music's repetition, but it's not just Christian music. For instance, this time of year we say, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Well, I say, let it don't snow, let it don't snow. Let, but we repeat it, Right? Uh, Christians do that. We have our, our Christian songs, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hey, some of y'all been in church before, right? We sing those songs, we, we repeat those songs. This is repetitive, it's redundant for a purpose. It tells us this phrase, 
Hallelujah. Now, Hallel, it means to shine. It means to boast. As in boasting, in this case, Hallel, boast upon the Lord. Yah is a shortened version of Yahweh. It's kind of like we shorten daddy to dad. It's a pet name. Hallel, shine upon, praise upon, boast upon the Lord. Boast upon that. The same Hebrew word Hallel that we translate Hallel is used in Jeremiah 9 verses 23 and 24. It says this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast, that's Hallel, of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his string or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boast boast about this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. So he's saying to us there in Jeremiah. And the New Testament writers, particularly 1 Corinthians, it has several times. He quotes this verse here. He says, instead of doing what comes natural to humans, instead of boasting on yourself, instead of thinking about your wisdom or your strength, you instead boast upon the Lord. Instead of seeking praise for yourself and praising your own self, praise God. That's the best you can do. That's what hallelujah means. But I have four questions to give us a more uh, deeper, a more profound understanding of what hallelujah means, of how we can hallelujah in our lives. So four questions. First, why do we praise the Lord? These are all from Psalm 150. Why? Do we praise the Lord? Verse 2 of Psalm 150 says, Praise him for his acts of greatness. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. It gives us there two awesome, very good reasons, right? First, for his mighty acts. Now, in the, those times, the Hebrews, the Israelites would have thought about some of the mighty things that God had done for them in the past. How God had, had brought them out of slavery, in Egypt, how, how God had caused them over and over to triumph in battle, even when the numbers seemed overwhelmingly against them. One story it tells us in Scripture that they were fighting against an army with chariots, and God caused the chariots to lose their wheels, and they just fell off, and, and so the Israelites prevailed. Another time it tells us the Israelites were fighting against a, a mighty enemy, and, and the, the enemy, God caused them to hear voices and start fighting amongst each other, they turned against each other, and, and the Israelites again won the victory. They might have thought of those. What do we think about? You see, as New Testament Christians, we have the, the, we have the privilege of having all the Scripture before us, Old and New Testament, and we read in it of how God has done some things that no one else could do. How God created everything. He just spoke it into being. How God saw people had this big problem. They had free will, and they used that free will to choose to disobey, to rebel against him, to sin against him. And because he is just and holy, that sin had to be punished. God, because of that, his, son, his firstborn son chose to be incarnated. That's what Christmas is about. He became flesh. He became human. And then he did miracles great deeds he he grew up and he went to the cross he even though he had sinned not he chose to be crucified so that we might be forgiven God's forgiveness 
if no other great act, mighty act we need to talk about, it's that one. But over and over we see God's mighty acts. We see God resurrecting people. Even today with all of our medical technology and our scientific advances, we still can't bring people back to life after they've been, uh, their, their organs have stopped for a time. Right? But God did that. So praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his mighty deeds. But I'm not just talking about the big picture. I'm talking about specifically as well. Right here in this place are people who have been healed from diseases. Praise the Lord for that. Right here in this place are people who have suffered bankruptcy, who've had businesses go under, and they were able to rebuild and and able to to have their needs provided for. Praise the Lord. Right here in this place are, are people whose marriages were on the rocks, who had different things caused them to, to be at the point of going to divorce court. And, and God moved and they stayed together and even rebuilt that marriage. Praise, praise God for that. See, I think if we spent our time for a moment thinking about all the good things God has done and brought around us, our human nature is to think what? About the things that aren't good. The things that don't work out. But you start thinking about how God has blessed you, how God's worked in your life. The most natural response is, is to boast on him, is to shine on him, is to praise him. It's to focus our praise upon him. The second reason that tells us here why we should praise the Lord is his surpassing greatness. In Hebrew, that construction is two words. It goes something like this. If we understand it, how it was used in other literature of that time, that it's, it, we, he is increasing more in value. Basically, it's, it's like so many times where we, we have words that fail us. They won't, we can't come up with the words. Basically, how I understand it is we should praise God for his infinite greatness. I mean, you think of something that is mighty and marvelous and amazing. God's a thousand times that. He is great. He is good. Psalm 47, 2 says, For the Lord most high is awesome, the great king over all the earth. You know, they were talking in a time, Psalms, where they were surrounded by people who had all kinds of gods. Uh, people who worshiped gods of the sun and gods of the moon, uh, gods of the harvest and all kinds of things. Uh, again, uh, the Israelites had... Uh, the understanding of the one true God, that is the, the truth that God wants us to understand, and, and that he is only deserving of our praise. So many times we boast and praise on uh, things that aren't so great. Maybe y'all watched a little football game Thursday night, some of you, and uh, you know, obviously the right team won. Uh, but Khalil Mack, the, the great defensive end for the Raiders, I don't know if you saw, he caused a, a strip fumble and um, of Alex Smith, and so he goes over to the bench, and it shows, it pans over him sitting on the bench, and his teammates and the, the assistants are all going like this to him. I'm going like, y'all still behind, and you're wearing the wrong colors, but you are pretty good, but, but you are not worthy of praise. You are not 
you're still human. And I'll tell you, we so often, we start praising stuff in our life, people in our life that, that aren't deserving of the praise, the hallelujah we should give to him. The second question I see here is, uh, where do we praise the Lord? Where do we praise him? This is in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Uh, praise him in his mighty heaven. So it answers the question, what, where do we praise him? We praise him in his sanctuary. Now, if you grew up in a more traditional church building uh, or of a certain generation, you were taught the sanctuary is where? It's the worship center. It's the church building, Right? And that's kind of an Old Testament understanding. When they thought of the sanctuary, they would think of the temple in Jerusalem. They would think of God residing in a physical location. Well, in the New Testament, it kind of changes. When we praise God in the sanctuary, it's not in a physical place. No, Revelation 21.3 kind of gives us this understanding. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with him, uh, with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So no longer does God live in a physical location. He lives within his people. It's consistent with what the New Testament teaches us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought with the price, at a price. Therefore, honor God. With your body. So, what that says is, and the scripture teaches us, as we become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. As we're baptized, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God comes to live in us. So, this, we are the sanctuary. We praise God in the sanctuary. And that for me means that I'm not just to praise God with my words, but I'm going to praise Him with my actions. I'm to praise him in my relationships. He lives in me. This body, this spirit needs to be of praise, consistent praise to him. Then it says we need to praise him in his mighty heavens. His mighty heavens. The scripture kind of gives us that understanding that, that there's earth and then there's heaven. <clears throat> there's this life and, and then the spirit world where, where heaven is. And we understand this that that even now, there's praise going on across this country, across the world, when different folks get to Sunday. There are Christians worshiping all over the world. But even more, in a world you can't see yet, there are angelic living creatures uh, that are worshiping God. In fact, the Bible tells us that they're worshiping God all the time. Now, <clears throat> you can't really see this. Sometimes people make the mistake uh, of seeing the creation, the marvelous things God has made, and worshiping the creation instead of the creator, right? People worship the God of the sun and the God of the moon. No, no we're, we're not to get caught up in what he's created. We instead point ahead to his works. And you can do that. You can appreciate God for his great works. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. He, there is much to see but when we talk about praising in his mighty heavens we're not talking about this uh, astrological phenomena that you can see we're instead talking about a place where God dwells forever 
Revelation chapter 4, it says, Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Uh, stop for a moment and think about what that must That's some weird stuff, right? But <clears throat> they, day and night, never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You think some of our songs are redundant? You know, I remember when I was a kid thinking, this service is never going to end. And then you get somebody up there and say, this is how it's going to be in heaven. We're going to be praising God all, all day, eternally like this. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but it's going to be much better music. And the overwhelming presence of God, I think, it will only cause us to bow down and worship. It goes on, whenever the living creatures give glory and thanks and honor to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and you, by your will, they were created and had their being. Hmm. In the mighty heavens, there will be a worship service. There will be praise. It's going to be amazing and awesome. So why not let's live lives of praise here? Why not let's worship God here? But now you're probably thinking, yes, I should worship him. But maybe you're asking yourself, how do we worship the Lord? How do we praise the Lord? That's the third question. How do we praise the Lord? Verses 3 through 5 tell us, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. I praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Basically saying, uh, take an orchestra and for, focus the praise. Take every instrument that we use for making music and, and have it come together and make a joyful noise. Have it make uh, great praise music to him, right? So those instruments are a little different than ours. I wanted to show you some of them. Uh, let's see some of the instruments. Uh, that's a horn. That twisted one was a ram's horn. Uh, you go to the Holy Land today, you can buy one of those. They'll set you back a little bit. Uh, called a shofar. A shofar, and it was usually blown in battle. Like that. This is a harp, right? And this is, uh, shofar is loud, harp, you know, kind of quiet and, and worshipful in that form we use it. There's a, uh, that's, that's not a soft instrument right there. That's, that's a, you give a kid one of those, and you would take it back pretty quick. That's a tambourine, right? Next, there's a pipe, uh, high pitch kind of, but often quiet. There, there's some cymbals, right? You clang together. And then here, oh, whoop, that would gotten in the mistake. There's a, there's a hoo horn, right? <laughs> no, but these instruments, they were used to praise him. And I, I think... You don't want to get lost in the instruments. You want to understand that they were used how? They were used in a word exuberantly. How do we praise the Lord? I think we need to be not ashamed of praising him. That gentleman that came up to us at breakfast, he, he didn't know us. He just saw us bowing our heads. Uh, he, he was taking a chance by coming up and, 
and saying hallelujah, praise the Lord, but he was not ashamed of his Lord. We, we shouldn't be either. We are, though. Sometimes we're reluctant because, you know, people might judge us. They might make fun of us. They might think we're strange, right? That's always happened. King David, one of the amazing things about him was he was exuberant in his praise. You know, he had uh, this position of great honor, king of Israel, and you'd think he would have to be somebody who always was striving to, to keep the respect and the dignity of the office. And no, listen, the Bible tells us he was all out in his worship. First Chronicles 13.8 says, David and all the Israelites were celebrating with all their might before God. With songs and with harps, lyres, timbrels, and cymbals, and trumpets. Some of the same instruments you saw there in one, Psalm 150. And they were getting at it. They were praising God and didn't care who saw them. They were just loving on God and and showing God how great and awesome he was. Thanking him for his mighty deeds like we talked about while we praise him. Well, not everyone liked King David's worship. Chapter 15, verses 28 and 29. So all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouts with a sounding of ram's horns, shofars. By the way, those shofars were used when the Israelites were going into battle. You know, I think we maybe need a shofar because uh, all of us are in a spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. And I'll tell you, the thing that the enemy likes least is for us to praise on God. It's for us to claim and to stand in our identity with God, to worship God with our lips, to worship God with our lives, to say, I am his, he is mine, and I'm not ashamed of it, I think it freaks out the enemy. When you're in those times of stress and struggle, I'd encourage you to praise God even more, right? So sounding of ram's horn and trumpets of cymbals and the playing of lyres and harps, as the ark of the covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, who was David's wife, watched from a window. And when she saw King David, her husband, dancing and celebrating, she despised him in her heart. Now, I have not enough time to go into all that about why she despised. I just want you to see that even a spouse could be critical of a man's worship of God. And I'm going to say, I think you'll face that from some, some people who won't understand, but I would suggest to you, and my choice is to praise God anyway. Psalm 86, 12 says, I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. We should not be divided in our praise. It needs to be clear whose side we're on and what we're about. It needs to be clear. We need to be unabashed in our praise and our worship and our testimony for him. Last question. What is the point of praising the Lord? I put that in there because I think sometimes today we get this confused. Our, our human nature is confused. We, we, get, we come to church and we say, boy, that service is great today. Man, that sermon, that was, that was awesome. Or maybe we say the other, that boy, that, those songs, I, I didn't like. I hate that drum. I hate that organ. 
And we, we think about worship, praise, as how it affects us. <laughs> we think it's about us. When the point of the worship always has to be about him. Notice in Psalm 150, 13 times it says, praise the Lord, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. It's for him that we come and worship on Sundays. It's for him, I hope, that we get up every day of the week and go about our lives, go about our work, go about our school. It is clear it's for him, it's not for us. We so easily get distracted and start thinking. We start confusing our life as being all about us. When I think we are most happy, we are most fulfilled, we are at our best when we're instead living our life for him, living our life to please him, to praise him, to say hallelujah to him. Right? It's hallelujah. It's not hallelujah me. Some of you today, maybe you're visiting. I hope you are. Good to see you. But I want to say to you, I don't say this in a mean way, this, what we do here is not about you. Some of y'all have been here a lot of years, and you know what? It's not about you either. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the, the band. It's about him. Verse 6 says it this way. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you this. That in Hebrew can be understood this way. Not let everything that has breath, but let every breath praise the Lord. I want to ask you a question. This past week, how many of your breaths praise the Lord? How many of your breaths complained about something? How many of your breaths maybe focused the attention on you? And not him. Words like these, I think, cause us to think and think deeply. And I hope they do. Because this Christmas season, it can be a, a life change, a transformation in you. If you can get this. And, and Psalm 150 becomes part of who you are. When people come to our church on Sunday, I hope they see not perfection. I hope they hear songs that are not exactly what they want to hear. I, I, but I hope they do know this, uh, that we are giving it all to him. Hmm. I thank God up in heaven. I hope today he's seen us worship here. And, and maybe he's heard our microphones go out, which happened the first service. Maybe he's seen slides not appear right. Or maybe he, he's heard a preacher misspeak and make up words, which happens most Sundays. Uh, but he, he's heard that, he's seen it, he's known that we're giving him our best. It's about him. It's about him. In the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, we read this several times every year. But I don't know if you ever have seen it as an illustration of Christmas praise, of hallelujah for the Lord. In verse 8, chapter 2, it talks about the shepherds. The shepherds were out in the fields tending their flocks. And verse 9 says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, a singular angel. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, I will show you here in a few verses, but I think uh, right on this side, uh, or the other side of heaven, the, there was a whole group of angels. They were like, let's go, let's go. We want to praise God. This is what we do. We praise God. That's all we do. We pray over and over. But not yet. You're going to overwhelm the people. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. You'd think. 
just a regular old knight out there with the sheep. And here is an angel in all of this glory. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Uh, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, wasn't that your favorite hymn that they played today? Boy, I hated the way that guitar sound. No. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. If we don't confuse worship and praise with the people, but instead see him, what happens? The shepherds only cared about one thing. They only cared as they heard the praise of the heavenly choir. As they heard his angels, his creation sing his praises. They only cared about going to see him. And would it be that in this area of west central Missouri. That that people who don't know the Lord might see his brothers and sisters. His sons and daughters that love him so much, that praise him so exuberantly with their lips and with their lives that are witnesses for him unashamedly. May it be so that people who don't know him yet will see us praising and worshiping God and want to be a part of that, want to have some of that for themselves. That's what happened. The shepherds hear the angels praising God and they have to go see. Fathers, we think about these things today. It's easy to get caught up in our own lives and and focused on ourselves and forget that this praise, it is deservedly yours. It is because you've done great things for us. You've provided Jesus that we might. This little baby grew up to be the savior of the world. He grew up to to set prisoners free. He grew up to heal the lame. He grew up to to open the eyes of the blind. He grew up to be our Savior, us individually. I pray this day, Lord, that we might think about you, your surpassing greatness, and you, what you've done. And we might praise you, not just in this place, but as we go into this week, We might praise you with the way we live. We might praise you with the way we interact with others. We might praise you with our service and our actions. I pray, Lord, that this week would truly be a week of hallelujah. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.